0: Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the PI Collaboratives team at Vizient. I'm Courtney Froe-White, Senior Performance Improvement Program Director here at Vizient and your host for today's episode. We will be discussing the findings and insights from the integrated performance solution Care at Home Strategy Accelerator. Care at Home promotes healing as studies have shown that patients recover faster in the comfort of their home. And it's also cost-effective, which is why healthcare organizations are evaluating implementing care-at-home services. In this episode, we'll discuss how organizations can identify and prioritize what options and programs fits in their healthcare-at-home strategy. We'll talk through the various levers organizations can pull to build sustainable care-at-home programs. Our guests today include my colleagues from SG2, Jamie Zage, Principal, and Brianna Motley, Principal, who are both subject matter experts for the Integrated Performance Solution Care at Home Strategy Accelerator. So let's discover some key insights from the Strategy Accelerator. Jamie and Brianna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Courtney. Happy to be here.
1: Thanks so much, Courtney. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Great. So let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about the Integrated Performance Solution and what the Strategy Accelerator is and how Visient and SG2 defines care at home? Sure. I'll start with a little overview of the Integrated Performance Solutions
2: Strategy Accelerator. The Strategy Accelerator is a six-week program, and in this case, focused on care at home, helping organizations really get to starting to think about what's going to be the best service options and best target patient populations for their care at home program moving forward. The six weeks of education coupled with a tool and even some peer-to-peer learning as well really help them make decisions on where they want to invest, you know, or where they could potentially invest in care at home in that landscape. But I know there's so many options, Brianna, I know we have a pretty nice broad definition of what care at home is.
1: Yeah, there are so many options, Jamie. As we look at the continuum of care, we believe that there is an opportunity to really shift care into the home as you think about every single site or node across the system of care. So that's complex. We've helped our members by organizing it into four distinct categories. On-demand care in the home, which is the lowest acuity and based services that can be provided in the home. So you think virtual urgent care, mobile imaging, direct-to-consumer lab testing, all of that low-acuity episode care in that category. Chronic care in the home is our second category, and this includes primary care in the home for chronic condition management specifically, infusion in the home, dialysis in the home, kind of all of the services that you would need to be able to better manage patients' chronic conditions in the home. Acute care in the home, which, as we know and as we heard throughout the accelerator, is probably where the most attention has been over the last year or two years, even though acute care in the home programs date back further than that. But this is your hospital level based care in the home. And then finally, continuing care in the home, which is your traditionally post-acute services, rehab, hospice, palliative care being delivered in the home
0: as well. So that's great. And I know one of the things that we talked about in the strategy accelerator was that you really need to create a care at home portfolio approach. Can maybe explain what we mean by having a portfolio approach? Taking a portfolio approach
1: really just means selecting programs that are complementary that help you achieve your strategic goals and building them in concert. What does this look like? This could be you're really focused, again, on the chronic condition management patient. So you offer mobile integrated health, primary care in the home and virtual urgent care to be able to take care of all of their low acuity needs and prevent hospitalization or ED utilization down the line. Bringing like programs together enables you to scale your resources and help bring your program volumes to scale, especially as you think about the early stages of program development.
2: I would add to that, Courtney, just thinking about it from a higher level, that it's a good idea when you start going into that care at home journey as an organization to begin to look at what that future portfolio will look like. It's an opportunity for us to learn lessons from how we all adopted virtual health. Telehealth, where a lot of point solutions came up, and it was a lot of different technology platforms that didn't always talk to each other or had redundancies. And if you go into care at home, thinking about that longer term big picture of where you want to be, it allows you to get in front of that and make deliberate decisions that are going to help you over the long term rather than just being those point solutions.
0: So maybe you can tell us why strategically should organizations be looking into care at home? It really comes down to those strategic initiatives
2: that are kind of core to every health system. It is, how do you make sure that you can continue to grow, especially in today's tough landscape? How do you support your value-based care initiatives? How do you create a differentiated patient experience? And care at home can be one of the specific strategies or tactics that you
0: use to achieve those goals. That's great, Jamie. I really like that. Brianna, anything you want to add?
1: There are so many different opportunities. And I think Jamie highlighted the three initiatives that organizations are focused on. I think right now we're hearing a lot about being capacity constrained and capacity challenged. And if you don't have room to accommodate growth within your inpatient hospital facility, then care at home can help you achieve that. I think if we think bigger picture, though, coming back to long-term efforts around care redesign and around making sure that patients are receiving care in the right place at the right time in the lowest cost way possible, Care at Home can certainly help support you achieve that as well.
0: So looking and taking this a little bit further, what are some of those key questions then that organizations should be focusing in on or asking of themselves or their leadership?
2: Well, you start with, what is the strategy we're trying to achieve? That's the first place to start. But then there's a whole host of other operational questions. I mean, this is complex. How are we going to approach delivering the same level of care the same quality of care, but in a different location. And so what resources are we gonna need to put in place? What resources do we already have that we can leverage to do that and repurpose in a different way? Or where do we really need to completely redesign the care model?
1: Something you highlighted was capabilities. And I think that's so critically important because while we've been talking about this, and I think there's probably renewed energy around it, you probably have a starting point within your health system, especially as we think about some of the continuing care programs or remote patient monitoring in the home, virtual visits in the home. We consider those to be foundational elements. So there probably are things you're already doing to deliver care in the home. And those are the initial building blocks of your portfolio. So Where do you go from there? What are the needs of your patient population? And also, I think most importantly, which Jamie set up first, what are you trying to achieve? What is that long term, big picture strategic goal that Care at Home can help you support?
0: Yeah, I think it's really important to sit down as a team and kind of go through these questions and answer these to help guide where you're going to go on this journey and really to help with your strategy. So we talked a little bit about the Strategy Accelerator. Maybe you could help answer what are some of those top insights we gathered from those who participated in the Accelerator? There is so much
1: opportunity in this space. So I think coming back to how we organize the categories of care at home and just thinking about all of the different sites of care where care can shift into the home, the opportunity is so significant here. And it's really important to think about prioritization, to go through those questions that we just talked about and understand what you're trying to achieve. Because in order to kind of maximize your impact and make sure that you're getting the most out of your resource investment, you have to be able to prioritize and think through who specifically are you targeting? What are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve? Because there's so much that you can do in this space.
2: Yeah, I think one of the other key points or key insights is that this is still really in its infancy. A lot of the participants in the accelerator are either still in their planning stages or really only in early pilot stages. And part of that is because of the payment uncertainty in this space. You look at, and we'll start with the big shiny object hospital at home and the Medicare acute care waiver. Well, we're talking about the PHE, the public health emergency ending in the next three to six months. So approximately. And while there is bipartisan support to extend that waiver, it hasn't happened yet. Congress has not acted. And we don't know what that extension exactly is going to look like in terms of how long they're going to extend it. Are they going to continue the full DRG level reimbursement or is it going to end up being discounted? But then when you get into the primary care at home, that chronic care, disease management at home, or the continuing care at home spaces, the payment is often under demonstration projects through Medicare. So those value-based care initiatives. So if you're not in value-based care, how do you make the business case for it? Or maybe you can fund part of it through fee-for-service billing. And We see a lot of that in the continuing care. So rehab at home, there are things that you can get paid for to do in the home, but there might be more that you need to do to really provide the total need of the patient in the home to deliver on a high-quality care product that isn't. And so how do you make that case for it if you don't have value-based care? So if you're not in value-based care, it becomes harder to make the investment decision at least right now. And this is going to change and evolve. It's going to shift over the next five to 10 years. We're going to see different payment models come up. It's probably going to shape how we deliver the care in different ways. So I think that's another piece. And one of the reasons why so many organizations are still really trying to figure out how they're going to make it work.
1: I think building on that, one of the things that we were able to take a pulse of from the group and just was encouraging to us was a lot of organizations seemed to come in thinking hospital at home was the place to start. And as Jamie just highlighted in terms of the complexity and the uncertainty with the payment landscape, and then earlier in terms of the different approaches that you can take, whether that be workforce heavy or digital heavy. Hospital at home really isn't the right starting place if you don't already have significant infrastructure in place. And I think one of the insights that our members took away from the accelerator was that there are other places to start that maybe they can move on faster with the infrastructure and capabilities that they already have in place as they perhaps build in the longer term toward that hospital at home program. There are other ways that you can have an impact as you think about those longer term objectives without starting with trying to put full-scale hospital-at-home models in place. And this comes back to that portfolio approach.
0: So we talked a little bit earlier, I think, Brana, you mentioned about levers. What are some of those levers that are required to help develop a sustainable care-at-home business model?
1: I think looking at the financial equation with a little bit of flexibility, understanding that it's not just direct revenue, payment and reimbursement is not the only lever within the financial equation to make this work. You have to understand the role that the opportunity to open up capacity and backfill with additional procedures is going to come into place. The role that reducing readmissions and avoidable ED visits, which are two of the primary outcomes of a lot of the different care at home programs. How does that help to bend the cost curve, especially as you think about your long term value based care contracts and trying to manage the overall total cost of care? So financial flexibility is certainly one of those levers. Jamie, what are some of the other ones?
2: Yeah, I think the partnerships piece that you mentioned before is another key lever as well. And I think about the partnerships as coming in and doing potentially different things that can help you with that sustainable business model. From partnerships, you could have point solutions or you could have that full platform, full on comprehensive partner. Those partnerships can help you with staffing, whether it be physicians or nurses or allied health. Continuum partners can help you with a lot of that. But even some of those point solution ones, they might be subcontracted for phlebotomy and you might not have to worry about how are you going to leverage your phlebotomist to go to the home because you can contract for that. So staffing is one. Another is, going back to the financial, those payer contracts. So those comprehensive partners may be able to help you with some of the commercial contracts that can help with some sustainability. And then I think you may be able to use either a combination of point solutions or those comprehensive to have those platforms to help manage that complexity of delivering all of those hospital level services or outpatient physician clinic level services in the home. It takes a lot of coordination to make sure that those patients are getting what they need when they need it based on their care plan. And those platforms can become one of your capital sinks if you don't have that. But those partners can also help you accelerate what you're doing in the care at home space as well. That's another piece that could get you to a sustainable sort of scale, getting you enough volume so that you can take on more and be more comfortable from a business perspective.
0: So you touched upon care coordination, so I'm going to ask a tough question, and it's a question we've heard from a lot of the participants in the Strategy Accelerator, but what about staffing resources? Because we know everyone's facing staffing shortages across the United States. So Jamie, what's some insights or thoughts on staffing resources?
2: So staffing is the tricky, right? It's the double-edged sword on this. There's a school of thought that, you know what? If you decentralize, you make it harder on your staff. You're going to need more. And that's absolutely true decentralization, if we move all of our providers to providing and physically going to the patient's home, we're less efficient. There's no argument there. So staffing becomes then thinking differently about the care model. And that's where the virtual health piece comes in. And how do you leverage virtual health? How do you leverage alternative providers like nurses' aides who are actually physically in the home with the patient, but then your nurse, your nurse practitioner, your physician are actually online virtually so that you can optimize your most critical resource. So those become some of the staffing considerations for hospital at home, for instance, with the emergency response. So if a patient is having some indication that there's an adverse event happening or they're decompensating and you need emergency attention, a lot of organizations use paramedicine. But in some markets, paramedics are also in short supply and ambulances are strained. So you have to understand what those pushes and pulls are. On the other side, though, When we think about nurses and burnout and nurses in particular, I focus on, but I think it could apply to other providers as well, that there may be a way to retain staff and retain that mature expertise of having been at the bedside or been in the care of patients for decades, we may be able to retain some of those people longer within the workforce by giving them an opportunity to be part of those command centers that are part of that coordination, to be part of that virtual hub that responds to patients. Or maybe they actually just want to be able to move to the home setting. So having the flexibility of that new care model may incite some additional interest. It may reinvent or re-spark some enthusiasm for the career that they chose, where if they don't have those options, they might opt for early retirement or moving out of the field altogether.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. We heard something pretty insightful from one of our member organizations during a breakout discussion, which was how do we as hospital systems, health systems become the Home Depots? Of the industry where we are able to retain that individual who maybe is past retirement age, but we're able to keep them engaged because they enjoy coming to work and interacting with people and filling a gap, serving a need. The Vizient framework for workforce in terms of recruit, retain, reimagine actually really applies nicely here. How do you make sure that you can keep people in their careers by giving them other avenues, perhaps once they're ready to move on or burned out from bedside work? How do we reimagine how we deliver care in the home and, and the role that staff can play in delivering that? And then, you know, I think there is an opportunity for recruitment here as well, especially as we think about some of the non-clinical staff and the role that they play in making sure that people are comfortable and using technology and understanding how to get onboarded to that remote monitoring app or, or capability. So there's really a role here uh, across all of that.
0: Yeah, I really like bringing the three R's in because I do think that you guys are both spot on with you have to be creative, you have to be flexible and you have to be adaptable, not only to retain, but also attract talent. Any recommendations when an organization is looking at prioritizing care at home resources or services they already have? Any thoughts on that?
1: I think you can break it down into three stops, Courtney. It really is about number one, defining your goals. Number two, understanding what your starting point is and where some of the gaps are. And then from a prioritization, it's sort of the intersection of those two things. What programs align with what you're trying to achieve from a goal standpoint and where can you move earlier on based on the existing capabilities that you have? From there, you can stage and time and sequence implementation of programs or or what you decide to put into place. And along with that, building in the time for pilot testing and really being agile about course correction and understanding where things perhaps aren't going as planned. At the end of the day, we're still dealing with people and patients' lives. And so you have to get it right. So building in the appropriate amount of time to make sure that things are running as you would expect them to and having the data to make sure that you're able to focus on continuous improvement is important as well.
2: I'll build on what you said there, Brianna. I think the other piece as you look forward, and even if you're not ready to pull the trigger on it yet, and you're going to take a wait and see approach, is understanding what some of that infrastructure is that you can put in place that may serve you in other areas as well. So, some of those virtual digital components, the remote patient monitoring, if you're just moving into that space, how can you strengthen that? Because those are going to be building blocks. But, Brianna, you also talked about the ability to be very agile, and that requires requires data and understanding what you're tracking and ties back to your goals. And so it's really understanding what data do you have? What data can you get? What do you need to track? What are those metrics of success going to be? Those are going to be some of the other things that you need to kind of put in place even before you sort of launch. If you're not quite ready, you can still move to put some of that stuff in place, which will help you when you do get there, be able to move a little faster. So I think it's really important to think about it from that infrastructure perspective. And I think, especially for those organizations who want to move really fast. Don't forget those components. They're critical to understand your business as you're moving forward and make sure that you're moving to success and give you that ability to shift and make changes as the program emerges. Patient safety is ultimate in that. And I think the other pieces, if you want to take a wait and see, I mean, we talked about the payment landscape is there's still a lot you can do that can position you to move so that you can flip the switch when you're ready.
0: Jamie, Brianna, any final recommendations or insights for those listening on how best to move forward with designing that care at home portfolio? The one thing we haven't talked about is who are your champions?
2: And so I think being able to identify within your organization, your clinical and your non-clinical champions for whatever you're going to move forward with or where your vision is, is going to be another critical piece. So don't forget to identify those individuals and lean on them to help design the program, but also to communicate it with other stakeholders across the organization.
1: One of the other things we've seen is silos and programs that do exist in different areas of the organization. So you have your value-based care population health team that's focused on primary care in the home, and you have your post-acute team that is focused on delivering rehab in the home. How do you Make sure that you're proactive about identifying where activity is taking place and then bringing some level of coordination, even before you get to kind of a full scale governance model around that so that you're not duplicating efforts. So making sure that you're able to leverage the learnings that do already exist in some of those different areas of your organization.
0: Well. That's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. I'd like to thank Jamie and Brianna for speaking with us today. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join us. And please look for future Knowledge on the Go podcasts. For Vizient's PI Collaboratives team, I'm Courtney Froe-White. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments at Collaboratives at